You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Oh, oops. Hmm. Thanks for listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast post-game show brought to you by DraftKings. All right, they took it out of our hands. We'll get to that later. You bet $1 on the UFC fights this week, and you get $100 in free plays no matter what happens. All right, we've got a bunch of comments to get to, as always. Our guy Chad McDonald's is back on here. I'm assuming with some Umar Bello talk. All right, guys, we're going to get to this in just a minute. But Arizona wins 81-69. Schuster, again. This will be about the 90th time where I talk about this game was really close. And then uh, Arizona still ends up winning by about 13 points. Although this run, if beggars want to be choosers, was a little bit later than we're used to. Yeah, the system works. Uh, and it was one of those games where Arizona in the last eight minutes was finally able to uh, pull away and uh, get what turned out to be a hard-fought victory against a Stanford team that played them really well that looks like their future isn't so bad. Their inside players are pretty good. You can see why they're inconsistent. They don't have enough scorers. They have to make their threes to help to balance out the ability that they have on the interior. But when those things are working, they can make things uh, difficult. And in a couple ways, I thought they made things difficult for Arizona tonight, obviously in the first half, and they went into the half with the lead. They were able to hit threes. But in addition to that, their big guy's got a bunch of second-shot opportunities, and I think the offensive rebounding for the Cardinal kept them in the game possibly a little bit longer than Wildcat fans might have liked. But then we got to what we've been accustomed to seeing, more or less Arizona inevitability, and the Wildcats were able to pull away at the end. 
Yeah, dude, Arizona, and I wanted to get to Nick Howard's comments right here. Arizona looked a little disinterested, I thought, to begin the game. Now, maybe it was complacency. I don't know, but you got a, you had a missed dunk. You had you were giving up some open shots. It it wasn't an ideal start, John Schuster. Oh, I think that's uh, to be – I don't want to say it's to be expected, but I don't – I don't think you can say that that was much of a surprise either. Uh, Arizona handled the team relatively easily in Palo Alto, what, four or five weeks ago. Uh, they had just come off a really impressive showing on the road against USC. They've played a bunch of games in a bunch of days. And so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not terribly surprised that there was a lethargic component in this matchup. But in the end, they were ultimately able to get done uh, what, they were, what they were required to get done. I don't think that this is a harbinger of tournament overconfidence. Okay. Uh, I think this was a matchup where Arizona was up against a team that it thought it could beat, and that team played a lot harder earlier on, and Arizona had to fight to get back into it and ultimately get the W that it needed. None of this necessarily surprises me tonight. Is it annoying? Sure. It's annoying if you're a perfectionist. If you're giving up open three-pointers and the guy keeps making them consistently, Arizona made adjustments in the second half that helped. The offensive rebounding, I thought, was a little bit more frustrating to me because even if Stanford was jacking up a three and it wasn't missing it, they'd sometimes get a second and third shot opportunity. And that's not something that Arizona should allow uh, in, you know, in a one-off but certainly can't allow come NCAA tournament time. I think Ricky Garrett also hit, makes a great point here. He said, this is Arizona's eighth, or eighth game in 20 days, or 20 game. This team has played 20 games in eight days. Ricky, uh, you actually made me look stupid right there because <laughs> I misread that, and I thought it said eight and 20. But either way, they played a lot of games too. So, And you do kind well, of wonder. eight and 20. Yeah, yeah, but not 20 games in eight days. Correct. But you do wonder. One thing, guys, a lot of people are asking about Dalen Terry. I agree with what uh, and Chad McDonald's, who has not brought up Ballo yet, which I'm surprised by. But uh, um, I would be surprised if Dalen Terry's injury is anything serious because I don't think that he's coming back onto the bench and slapping high fives with people that if it is serious. I think made a lot of Wildcat fans feel better. Because if you don't have Dalen Terry – this is a very different tournament run. This is a very different tournament run, and it's a lot deeper than just losing that seven points per game or whatever it is right there. So that, that to me, I think that he's going to be okay right there. Um, Sarah Beth Greyer just said, you could definitely see the fatigue, but we've been playing quite a few games recently. That's what I think is going to be nice about this. Once you get Saturday over, everybody is on an even playing field because you had a lot of games that needed to be made up. Again, it's difficult. Well, it was a blowout, but it's difficult to have to play a USC Tuesday, then a Stanford Thursday, then a Cal Saturday. I think at some point you're just like, all right, let's just get into the tournament. Let's get into the Pac-12 and let's just end up playing. Yeah, the USC game, obviously, this late in the year, and I understand why they tried to make it up. That's fine. And that's the sort of thing you have to deal with. But that's obviously a trying scenario. And uh, it was uh, clearly difficult on Arizona you know, coming away from there on two days rest. And Saturday against Cal may be the same. USC's probably going to deal with some of the same stuff as well. So it'll be interesting to see how a lot of that factors through. But you're right. Once you get past Saturday and it's out of the way, Arizona will have five days to rest for the uh, Pac-12 tournament. We'll see what kind of run they can make there. And as long as injuries don't get in the way, and again, we don't know anything about Dalen Terry, but his 
returning to the sideline was a good thing. And by the way, Tommy Lloyd's reaction to him as he returned to the sideline was also a good thing. Uh, So hopefully, you know, that that's one of those scary moment injuries for Terry. And it's not something like a high ankle sprain or way worse than Achilles. The fact that Terry came back onto the floor suggests it's not dramatic like an Achilles. You know, is he going to feel it a little bit? Probably. May he sit out Saturday against uh, Cal, perhaps. Uh, but hopefully That's a game you should be able to win either way with right. or without Dalen Terry. So if hopefully just- the long-term prognosis is okay. All right, KB Thiel says, no lie, I just texted my grandma. You better tell all your ch- little church friends to pray the rosary. Happy birthday to KB Thiel's mother, by the way. I saw that he put that on Facebook today. So, again, community feel right there. Nick Howard says, uh, game four in seven days. That sounds a little bit uh, – that sounds right about there. Okay, now, can we talk about Kyer, which also rhymes with Grier? All right. Kyer made the biggest shot of the game right there. Well, actually, he made the two biggest shots of the game, I thought. when the, I think it was a one-point game, and then he made the three, and then he came back down again. He hesitated for a second, and you could tell he was totally cool with it, and then he shot that three again, and it looked pure right there. I'm telling you, there's going to be a game where this guy is going to be the difference maker, and I don't know when it's going to happen, but there is going to come a time with it because, honestly, I think he's too good not to. He is a... Uh, Justin Kyer's good. Like I, I don't, I don't know really how, how else to put it. If he was a starter on this team, I would feel more than okay with that. Now, granted, I love the starting five that Arizona has, but if Kyer was the starter, I'd be more than okay with that. Too. You were chatting uh, a couple nights ago in the uh, post game here about how Kyer was an example of Arizona's depth off the bench, and uh, there was a discussion that we got into that involved that maybe against certain. Uh, backcourt tandems, he would be better defensively capable because of his physicality uh, than uh, Carissa might be. So right. that's an area where we might see it. One of the things that I've, and, and yes, Kyer had two big shots and finished with, I'm guessing, what, five or six points tonight. And right. his And his line will not look impressive at all. If you look at him from a statistical standpoint, there's absolutely nothing that wows you. If you look at him from a he does the little stuff that doesn't show up, does it well, and adds to your depth when you need it perspective, Kyer is a really nice addition to have coming off the bench. And there's something about him, too. He's just smooth. He's just – I mean, some guys just – I like Pella Larson's very good. Again, Pella, I tweet out every single game when you do something well. My bad. Mike Luke apologizes. I'm sure that that really is something that he is concerned about. That was but, his motivational factor right there. But when you watch when you watch Pella Larson, when you watch uh, Umar Ballo, Chad McDonald's guy, who, by the way, uh, Umar has some great blocks, and he's sixth man, sixth man of the year. I'm not sure that I'm going that far in the conference, but Umar's a beast. But they don't, they don't look, Kyer, basketball just looks like it comes very, very easy to Kyer when he's out there. And again, I'm not trying to make him out like he's Tracy McGrady or something, but I mean, he's a guy that, he's a guy that I think is going to make a lot of money overseas in Europe. He just, uh, yeah, KB Thiel says he just looks like a basketball player. Who on this team, generally speaking, looks like they don't understand basketball? Coloco? Maybe? Maybe, maybe, but even, but even then it's just the way they yeah. He's, 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 yeah, everybody. He's, I think that's a great point. On a lot of different teams, there's always a guy or two where you're like, all right, he's a great player, but you wonder just how much he understands basketball. This team 100% looks like 
a team that not only gets long, and I want to get to that a little bit after the DraftKings. Actually, you know what? Screw it. Let's get the DraftKings read out of the way. DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. All right. If you think that you're looking at me and you're saying, Mike Luke's serious, it's because he is. I'm tired of people losing money on our watch. So the DraftKings Sportsbook people stepped in and they said, you know what? No more of this nonsense. We are, uh, we're not, we're taking this out of your guys' hands. You bet on the UFC fight this week and you get $100 in free plays if you bet $1. New customers only. Eligibility restrictions do apply. If you got a gambling problem, call 1 800 next step. They'll get you right back on your feet. All right. Now let's get back to you made a point earlier in the season, John Schuster, that I thought was a very salient point, and it turned out to be a harbinger of things to come. And I guess if you want to look at it, it was a harbinger of truth. This team likes playing together. This team, the pieces fit. Everybody out there has a said role. Everybody looks like they're bought in, for lack of a better term. And we've seen great teams, or we've seen incredibly talented teams here, even loot teams that didn't look like they bought in. Give you an example. That 0304 team where you had Iguodala and Adams and Stoudemire and Shakur and Fry. That team was maddening because you had all this talent and it just never looked like it bought in. This team looks like it's bought in in a big way, Shu. To Lute Olsen's credit, more often than not, it appeared that the team got along between the lines well enough to be successful where it mattered. Uh, and, and one of the things I think we've also seen at Gonzaga is that same model, too, where usually you come away watching a Gonzaga team, depending on how talented they are, and rarely do you say they, they seem like they lost, they're lost and they don't seem like they get along. In between the lines, that approach has worked very well. And I think there's a calming confidence that uh, goes into that. But I think there's also a general approach of the coaching staff believing in what it is that their players can ultimately do and can ultimately accomplish. And I think that's a refreshing thing for the team as a whole. And I'll give you a little bit of an example. Uh, let's, you, let, let, let's look at one of Stanford's big guys and Arizona's big guys. There's a sequence specifically that comes to mind. One of Stanford's big guys, and you guys will have to ha- have to help me with the name. I'm Lucas Casunas. Uh, he will not shoot an outside shot. He mm-hmm. will not take a mid range jumper. Absolutely, will not do it. So when he has the ball, the entire scouting report is Ballo guard the rim, Coloco guard the rim, and, and and then let the guy do something out on the perimeter. It's like playing four on five, which obviously helps your defense. Arizona has an entirely different approach. And that approach is, you know, I don't, you know, we don't expect Coloco to shoot uh, a myriad of 15 footers, but if someone is going to give you the open look, take it. We don't expect Ballo to, you know, hit. Oh, hey, hey, hey. don't, don't limit. We got the push shot. We've seen the push shot. 12 footers, you know, on a, on a reasonably consistent basis. I don't think he's going to have 30 point nights doing that shot, but if it's open, take it. And that seems to be the general mentality of what the Arizona coaching staff is. They believe that the team can make those shots. And in other programs, you see in uh, coaches who don't elicit a confidence in, in, in specific aspects of their players, and they want to avoid that. Arizona appears to have a very different approach. Dale and Terry has the green light to shoot threes when they come into the flow of the offense. Hmm. Really? I didn't think about what he was doing a month ago, but now 
He's you know, a Terry's great, a weird one. Terry's a weird one, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna die on this. So, well, I don't know if I'm gonna die on this sword. I, I hope but, not. Though. That that that's that that I would need somebody else would, to step in. I might mean, need Tina I'm, to step in at that point. For that me, would give but. you some serious viral hits, but that's a lot of work to do just to try to up the numbers. The sword has gone away. I'm not gonna sit on it. Oh good. But, <laughs> um, yes, yes. But uh, what were we just talking about? You were talking about Daylon Terry being a weird uh, oh, component. Oh, here's what's about weird about Terry, point. and maybe I'm just stupid, and I could be, but Daylon Terry has terrible form on his shot, but he has a very soft touch. When the shot goes up and it hits the rim, I don't look at it and say to myself, oh, gosh, I don't think that there's any chance that that's going to go in. Now, it's something that needs to be rectified, I think, is form, but he's got a He's got a fairly soft touch for a guy that's got a pretty ugly looking shot there. And so does Balo. Right. Uh, they they both do, which and I find that interesting. I don't know if that's coincidental. It might be. Uh, but maybe there's something in the attempt that the coaching staff's tried to do behind the scenes that maybe gives it a better shot uh, with a bounce here. It could be just coincidence. But I have noticed that with both of them, uh, that they are not pure shooters by any stretch. But if it gets on the rim, there's an opportunity that maybe they'll get a favorable bounce. One thing that I don't want to ever see again, though, and I like this guy a great deal, and you called on him, you called on uh, him from uh, you, that he was going to be the most impactful player on the team from day one, Christian Coloco. Coloco is an absolute. He's going to win the conference defensive player of the year. He's one of the best. He's one of the most impactful, if not the most impactful, defensive guy in the country. He's that good. I do not ever want to see that left-handed hook shot again, though. That one. <laughs> That yeah. took that took me aback a little bit right there. That, he that, will maybe he'll get to that point, but Shuey's not to that point yet. That's probably one of those aspects with the that that's probably one of those exception that proves the rules aspects. The coaching staff might have a little bit of a conversation right. in regards to moving to your left and throwing up a blind hook. You can let Tabellus do that and miss and get irritated with it because you know now and again he's uh, efficient enough to get that to go, but. Eh, it might be something that Coloco needs to work on as far as the overall arsenal is concerned, or it might be something that he just rids himself of the arsenal entirely. You know what's amazing though about it, and let's let's stick on here with Coloco here for a minute because he had another uh, he had another really nice game right here, and I was at the first half of the game. My parents were there, and I tweeted out a picture of them, and I said, "If you don't like me, blame these people right here." So you know. Be that as it may, I hope they get home okay. Let's but, just say, same here, the genetics are strong in that family. The genetics are very strong. But the one thing, though, that I do find fascinating about Coloco, though, watching him up close, too, is when he messes up, and a lot of guys do this, you instinctively look over at the coach, whether that's a travel, whether that's a drop pass, a foul. There were two times during this game where, and I can't remember exactly what the play is, where he messed up. And he didn't even look over at Tommy Lloyd. It was just like, okay, you're staying in there, man. I'm not taking you out of the game. And I think that's really what Lloyd said too, where he said, you know, we love, we, we love on this guy. And everybody's a little bit different right there. And I always tell the story and I'll say it one more time. Bill Parcells would always say, you know what? I would teach, I would uh, coach Lawrence Taylor a lot different than I would coach Phil Sims. I just needed Lawrence Taylor to show up and I knew that he would be good to go. Phil Sims was a little cocky, a little arrogant, and he needed me to get up in him at times. And I think that's what's so interesting about, and again, maybe it's not interesting, but it's just such a, a departure from what we've seen in the past, too. No, I think it is interesting, and I think it's 
tonight was an interesting example on three fronts of how Lloyd deals with his players and, and the general attitude of the way that that philosophy and approach is and why so far it has worked. Example number one, you talked about example number one, Coloco having some issues. He got beat a lot on the inside. He gave up a lot of offensive rebounds and still, you know, Arizona stuck with him and that's good. And, you know, he's, he seems to be not in that mental frame of mind where he gets down on himself and, and too hard all the time. Example number two. Pella Larson misses a wide-open dunk from a phenomenal pass from Kyer on the inside. You can tell he's thinking, ah, bleep, I'm right, going right. to be the highlight, the negative highlight reel on every uh, – so often. I am going to get ripped for this for the, the entirety of the night, and I don't want to hear it right now because I just screwed up, and that was embarrassing. He was completely embarrassed. A couple minutes later, he comes out of the game, and you can tell he's still pissed. He's pissed about the dunk because he's embarrassed about the dunk. And and Lloyd moves over to him and starts shooting the crap with him. Right. Like, dude, and in essence, the conversation is, dude, it's fine. It's not that big a deal. Everything's cool. And right. I think it kind of toned it down a little bit because it gave Larson an opportunity to, to let the festering work its way through. And then he was able to get back out on the court again and contribute in a way that we all know that he's and, capable of doing and the coaching staff believes and, he's capable of doing. Third example. Dalen Terry. Terry's injured. It doesn't look like a good injury. About a minute and a half later, after he goes back to the locker room, comes back out, it's like, okay, that feels a little good. And Lloyd goes to him specifically and gives him what looks like a Newt Rockney pep talk. Right. Asking if he's okay. It's great to be out on the sideline. I'm glad you're supporting the team. And it was almost the way that Terry's expression was. Looked like, okay, coach. Oh, oh okay. We can tone this down a little bit. Right, it's all right. right. We yeah. don't. You'll need to embarrass me too much. But but there was a lot of support within the coaching staff, and I think there were three examples in this game of how they deal with the players on this roster and how effective, to a large degree, it's ultimately been. I find, and we'll get to Terry here in just a second. A lot of people are asking about the beard. All right, I'll be honest with you. Might bring it back during the winter, but right now I can't. I am not. I was not going through another summer with it. I am sorry. I do apologize. Okay. Now, uh, Ricky Garrett makes an interesting point. DeBellis had an odd game tonight, missed some bunnies, had some bad turnovers, yet ran fast breaks and dunked. I want to—I don't want to ever really look ahead, but when I look at this roster right now, there is one, outside of Matherin and Kyer, I think it's very plausible that all of these guys are back next year. Because here's the thing, and you, you made this point too, and I think it's a great point, where you said that – or no, 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 maybe it was somebody else where he said the enticing point to bring back uh, Coloco is going to be that, you know what, we're going to let you shoot some threes next year, which I'm totally okay with. Tabellus, to me, when I look at Tabellus, he reminds me, and he doesn't play the same way, but he reminds me a little bit of Michael Wright in that I just don't, I just don't see how his game necessarily translates to the next level. I could be totally wrong there, but I do think, I, I I don't know. He just doesn't strike. He strikes me as a great college player. That's probably not a great pro prospect. If you get him, if you get Terry, if you get Coloco back next year, you've already got Creasa coming back. Shoot. This thing isn't going anywhere. 
No, and you've got a couple guys off the bench who look like they could be very talented. Yes, and uh, that so 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 you feel good about where Arizona is as a program if in fact that happens. And with college basketball the way that it is, that's a big if. It would not surprise me at all if a lot of those guys test things uh, in different capacities to see what may ultimately work for them if they think there's money on the table. The thing that has a chance to get to Bellis in the NBA, and it's something that uh, Ricky touched on here. Uh, in his uh, little scroll uh, uh, down here. Tabellus runs the floor about as well as any, any big, big man in, in college basketball. That guy, that that may be the singular skill that gets him into the next level. Hardworking player with a skill set, but he can help you in the open floor because he's got good hustle elements about him. And, and he is often on the receiving end of a Carissa pass, a Terry pass, a Matherin pass, precisely because of how well uh, he runs the floor. And that is some that that is a small component of his game. I was chatting with somebody else who brought this up to my attention. And I was think this somebody I think that might work at home? I, I think that it is not. I, it is not. I think there was some, and I think that individual in regards to that aspect of the game, I think he was filled with some over some hyperbole, but hyperbole aside, the way that Tabellus moves up and down the floor and is willing to run the floor and is willing to hustle gives him an opportunity to get some easy buckets and uh, I think gives him an opportunity to have a career uh, at the professional level that's pretty good. Whether that's NBA or whether that's overseas remains to be seen, but I think he's going to make money professionally and do just no doubt. All these guys in the starting lineup are going to make money professionally. One guy I do want to talk about, let's talk a little bit about Ben Matherin. Ben Matherin, to me, if Ben Matherin turns out to be an NBA All-Star, and I'm certainly not predicting this, but I would not be in the least bit surprised. Every time I watch him, I come away thinking, well, and everybody knows what a great athlete he is, and you know that he looks the part. But you talk about a guy that basketball just looks like it comes easy for him. And that's Ben Matherin out there. He's already a good shooter. We know that. But the way that he can get to his spot already at that point, the way and he can finish at all three levels. We already know he can get to the hoop. He can shoot the three. The mid-range is solid. Shoot, this is a guy that I think he can be pretty much as good as he wants to be. Yeah, but there is one problem. And I think I think there's talent-wise reason to believe Matherin can be very effective in the NBA and be an all-star. But you touched on it at the beginning, I think unintentionally. It appears the basketball comes easy to him. And yeah. when it doesn't, he gets frustrated. Mm-hmm. When he has yeah, an off night, when he has an off night, it festers. So now you're moving things up to the next level. You're playing night after night after night, stronger guys with more experience who are the best players in the game. And when it gets frustrating, you're going to be put into your place now and again. And that's the thing I think mentally he has to work through. Physically, he's in place. But if he can, you know recognize sometimes it's not going to go your way, but just work the, let the skill set work itself through and you've got confidence in your ability, you'll be okay. I think he'll be okay as well. If he lets his frustrate, we've seen it this year. He spends so much time when things are yeah. go, not going well, bitching at the referees about why things aren't going well. Forget it. Just start playing basketball. And, right. and, and, and he's gotten better about working that out, but I think that's something that he's still going to have to continue to work through uh, ultimately ultimately at the next level to get to the point where you think he's capable. Athletically, does he have, and again, I know we, you and I have talked about this ad nauseum, and I forgot what you said because half the time I'm not listening. I don't but, blame you. That's, yeah. that, that means that half the time you're listening too much. <laughs> True. 
you you covered these teams up close back in the day, and I I don't know why, and I can't. I, I messaged our, our guy Maddie and Maddie M. Matt Mule, Maddie M. Matt Mulebuck to the people who don't know, um, <laughs> and and most people don't. Yes. I don't because know they refer to him as Matt Mulebach. Matt Mulebach, as they only, should, as I should. Only the cool people, yeah. But when when I watch him, though, I don't know why, but I cannot get the Michael Dickerson vision out of my mind and just how basketball. Yeah, it just looks. They're built almost the exact same way, right? But they just basketball, and to the young folks out there, KB Thiel, check this guy out. Michael Dickerson was one of the best players, to, certainly one of the handful of most talented guys. But they're built the same way. They move the same way. They got similar skill sets. That's the guy that I just keep thinking and keep coming back to. Arizona has had a lot of great athletes come through this program. Iguodala was a great athlete. Jefferson was a great athlete. Arenas was a great athlete. Elliot was a great athlete. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm Richard gonna, Jefferson. Son Adams was a great right. athlete. You know, there were. Uh, Aaron Gordon's a great athlete. There are a bunch, and I apologies for the great athletes in this example that I'm leaving off. And I'm, I know that they're going to be hurt by this. I'm sure. Two players look like they float. Michael Dickerson and Ben Mavra. Right. And that's that's kind of, to me, the visual difference between the two. Matherin doesn't look like Iguodala. Matherin doesn't look like Hassan Adams. Matherin doesn't look like Miles Simon or Richard Jefferson or Elliott, all who are great players. But he floats. It, it feels like he flo- he's on a treadmill. It right. feels like he floats kind of, and Dickerson had that same component about it. And that, to me, that smoothness factor, that ability from get to one spot to the other, where it doesn't even look like, where, where it looks like you're literally defying gravity, is uh, something that I, I think is very unique in why the comparison works between those two guys. I do like that. And something that we don't need to compare, because unlike the mortals in Umar Ballo, there are no comparisons to this, and that's the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Code word PHNX. Throw down $1 on the UFC fights this week. Again, Bruno, stop. And as we uh, as we get closer to it, put something down there. You get $100 in free plays, even if you don't win. It's really that simple. It's that easy. I kid you not. They're taking it out of our hands. They don't want us to give you the Detroit Pistons anymore. They saw the avalanche of lost funds, so they said, <laughs> you know what? Get these guys off the screen. We're just going to give you free money. That's essentially what you're getting right there. DraftKings Sportsbook app. LA Shadow 8 makes a great point. Dickerson was a major problem before he got injured in the NBA. I mean, he was averaging. This is a guy that probably for 10 years would have averaged 18 to 20 points a game. And I think that's a fair point and hopeful for Matherin. If Matherin can avoid the frustration and not suffer from injuries, which sidetracked uh, Dickerson, uh, Matherin's going to have a really good career. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so, all right, now let's talk a little bit about going forward then, Cal. Last game of the season right there. Um, I expect, I don't really care if Dale and Terry plays or not in this game. I hope, you know, I would obviously err on the side of caution, but I'm I'm more than okay with whatever they decide there. Arizona should be able to smash Cal. What's going to be fascinating, though, is what happens, though, in the Pac-12 tournament. Because if you look at it, and you should be checking out the DraftKings Sportsbook app. This actually isn't a read. This is actually just me ad-libbing right here. In that Gonzaga is uh, – Gonzaga will end up playing St. Mary's again for the uh, the West Coast Conference Championship. I Or their paths will cross again. I'll put it to you like that. I doubt St. Mary's wins that game, but 
they certainly have an opportunity to win that game. And I have a hard time believing that if Gonzaga loses that game and Arizona wins out, that they aren't going to be the number one overall seed in the entire tournament. I think it's very difficult to not make that the case. I think that's okay. Uh, however, and maybe the bigger picture, it's nice. Hey, in your first year, it's great to be a the, the, the number one overall seed. It's a nice thing to hang your hat on. Uh, but I don't think it's going to move Arizona from being number one in the South for reasons we've talked about before. And that is fan, the, the fan viability that uh, Tucson allows. Tucson can go to two locations. The fan base in Spokane probably ought to stay out West. It's more convenient for both of those. And if they're both going to be one seeds, that's why I see Gonzaga being in the West, Arizona fans and it's Tucson base can get to San Antonio. Uh, but even beyond that, even as the number one seed in the South, which I think is almost certainly going to happen, mm -hmm. whether they're number one overall or not, you're still going to be a, in a bracket that's going to have a Big Ten team that's probably going to be Kansas or Baylor, and you're going to have an SEC team that has the potential to be an athletic problem. So regardless of what bracket you're ultimately in, even as an overall number one, it's not going to be easy regardless. I think it's, I think it's kind of a... It's a nice shroud, but it really doesn't matter. It sure. sounds good, but in the end, you know, I, I think the tournament and the way the, the teams are going to set themselves up in the tournament is going to be similar whether Gonzaga loses to St. Mary's and Arizona runs the table or not. We owe, I want to tell everybody out there a lot. Ricky Garrett says we owe a lot to Ben. We also owe a lot to Schuster. Schuster and I are going up to the Pac-12 tournament. We are going to be there on assignment. That's how cool we are right there. So you guys should all come with us. You should also hop on GoPHNX, get a membership, all the best stuff, hit subscribe, all the great stuff on there. All right. Before we uh, before we sign off here, though, Shu, um, I think Arizona is going to – I think they're going to smash California. Now, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Do they win the Pac-12 tournament? You're not going to like my answer. Oh no! I mean, it doesn't matter to me. Well, I, 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 um, I think UCLA is going to win the Pac-12 tournament. Okay. Okay, I can totally see that. I can. If you, that, Len, and, and I'll throw a caveat in that. So if you're UCLA saying the team. Wait a UCLA, second. Wait a second. Hold on. If, if Hold UCLA on. is healthy, you're, I think UCLA is going to win the Pac-12 tournament. That is a bold stretch. So you mean to tell me that the team that went to the Final Four last year that mm -hmm. returns everyone was preseason right. number two? Mm -hmm. You're going to tell me that that team's going to win the Pac-12 tournament. That's yeah, what you're saying. It, it, that's a, it's it, hey, I could have said ASU. I don't really. Yeah, they're playing really good ball right yeah, now. They are. A, ASU becomes ASU becomes a really interesting potential team in this field. Uh so so that uh, you, you know we'll see how long the ASU magic can last. They've been very impressive lately and dominated Cal tonight. So I could have said you. I, I could have said ASU. However. There are obviously some advantages for Arizona in the Pac-12 tournament, not the least of which they're the best team. Yeah, uh, they have they have the best seed and they have the best fan base. So they're going to play what amount to being a bunch of road games, or rather a bunch of home games on the road, and their fan base is going to absolutely dominate that venue. So that obviously helps Arizona, and Arizona's very good at playing off the excitement of its fans. Those are things that definitely give Arizona an advantage as this thing progresses. All right. One thing that I do, I want to make fun of a, uh, uh, ESPN just for a second here before we sign off. Did you see what the price for a ticket to uh, uh, Coach K's last game is? Oh, goodness, I did not. Just take a guess. 
$2,300. Yeah, keep going up north. $6,000. Wow. Get a life if, if you're spending <laughs> wow. that kind no, of money. No, I wish I had that life. Right. Second of all, did you see that Coach K, they've actually, I've never seen this before, but I guess you can do it. They actually requested what region they play in. They request that they played in the Midwest region because Coach K is from Chicago. So that would make his fan or his family easier for them to travel. That's quaint. Oh, gosh. That's Meanwhile, and, yes, you know, and you know that's going to happen, too. 100% it's going to happen. You know what they're <laughs> going to say? Absolutely happen. So it's not good enough that we just put you in Greensboro for the last 25 yeah, to 30 right. years. All right, right. you want to go to Chicago? Let's go to Chicago. Why uh, not? Why not? Why not? Oh, yeah. God. Uh, do you want to play six on five, too? Yeah, I mean, seriously, what, what do you want? We'll give it. Do you want Umar Ballo as well? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're but we're not giving yeah. up Umar Ballo. He's a he's a man among mortals. My, my mom did make a funny point because she's uh she's a little bit more uh she, she she's a little bit more uh sports heady than my dad. But she did say, "Can you imagine getting hit in the head by Ballo going for a rebound?" And I'm like, "No, I don't want to have that." <laughs> but KB Thiel says, "I request we play in Tucson for the tourney." So you know, yes. I mean, I I don't know why we couldn't do that. But I don't either. You know what? We did everything else on Zoom. You know, for the last couple of years, why don't we just try the whole tournament on Zoom? Everybody can play from home. Why not? Why all not? Right. Big, all right, big stuff going on tomorrow. Just want to give you a heads up. I've got the best defensive player in school history joining me at 1030, Mr. Reggie Geary, who uh, I think was uh, probably one of my favorite players coming up. The ultimate, talk about a guy that got every last bit out of everything that he had. Would you agree with that, John Schuster? Yeah, and that would be, uh, that was one of the athletes that I uh, was, uh, irresponsible and missing. So my apologies. That should be a lot of fun. And then I'm going to be making fun of uh, ASU basketball with my guy Shane Diefenbach at 1230. We're going to be handing out our uh, our conference awards right there. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. But as always, can't thank you enough, everybody that hopped on right here. You know how much you are appreciated. The show doesn't happen without you. Um, and again, I'm just, you know, from the bottom of my heart, greatly appreciate all of you. For John Schuster, I am merely Mike Luke. And for David Matola, that just brought out a Daniel Dillon reference. On that note, we're signing off. Oh.